It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I, I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. This is is the Go Birds Podcast. Birds podcast presented by Parks Casino and Sportsbook. Elliot Shore Parks, James Seltzer coming your way. Elliot, last time we talked, I feel like we lamented uh, not having some big report to talk about or not having some big story or whatever. I apologize. I take it back. I don't want any more of these stories, Elliot. I don't want them. So when the the story first came out, and in case you've been living under a rock, obviously we're talking about the the story from the Athletic. Uh, about some of you know what they would call and what's been called dysfunction. We'll get into a debate about how dysfunctional they are. But uh, when the story came out, you texted me. It was kind of like, this one feels like it's going to be a bigger story than the other ones. And I was skeptical. But yeah, you're right. I mean, this has turned into, you know, I don't want to say an off-season defining story, but it's kind of similar to the Joe Santaliquilo story uh, in terms of something that really kind of became a narrative throughout the year. And I think that's what you're going to see with this story. So, you know, interesting story to read, lots to take away from it. And now that we're a few days out, I mean, the story came out on Monday and we both had our chances to talk uh, on air about it and obviously via Twitter and everything. So, but now it's been four days. It's almost like a discussion to have about the reaction to the story. So it's a, it's a lot to get into. Yeah, it is. And look, it was, it was the first one of these you know, the McLean one, the Dama one, we've had the multiple McLean ones that have come out. It's the first one that felt like it went national. You know, it was the first one yeah. where you started seeing national people quote tweeting it and talking about it and saying like, what the hell's going on in Philadelphia type of feel. And it's like, oh, welcome. Welcome to the club. Welcome, welcome to what we've yeah. been dealing with. Um, and look, uh, you know, great job. Shield, uh, Bo, Zach did a, did a great job. Obviously, there's a lot of information now. You know, it's with, it's it's funny. And another thing that I said to you when we were texting and first talking about this story was that 
that even though, you know, because we've had, as we alluded to, so many of these stories at this point now, and and there was stuff in the story that was um, not necessarily, you know, retread, but stuff we kind of already knew or stuff we've heard in other stories or a lot of corroboration, all that type of stuff. And even, you know, the fact that we've heard all this and we are desensitized to it, like it is not as much of a bombshell because we yeah. know all these, like we know that Jeffrey Lurie picked Jalen Hurts. This article told us again, Jeffrey Lurie picked Jalen Hurts. Jeffrey Lurie swung the scales on J.J. Ortega-Whiteside. Like these things are we know, but but even with the desensitization that I had going in and even with the fact that we've had all these other stories and I feel like I know so much of what's already in the article, it still felt like the worst one to me. It still hit me the hardest of all of them. It just... It just, Elliot, you know how I feel. I mean, I, at this, let's get into it. Let's talk about this article. And, and there's so many different pieces to talk about. And like you said, to talk about the reaction to it. And we'll get to the reaction, which I think is is the dysfunction, is is the reaction, how dysfunctional are they, all that. But like specific things, looking at the article, I mean, I, I'll, like I said, I mean, my, and we'll get into specifics about Howie, about Lori and stuff, but my overall takeaway from the article is, is as someone who has been very pessimistic about the Eagles, very negative about where this organization is at right now, um, for many reasons that we've talked about, I feel even worse. Like, I feel even mm-hmm. worse about the Eagles after this. If, if that's even possible. I mean, I think, like, I really do feel that until this Howie-Laurie thing, whatever is happening right now, is broken, they are not going to win games. Like, a, a consistent, con- like, they might have a year where they get lucky or whatever this that, but they are not going to be a high-functioning franchise until this is fixed because it is mess. I think that one of the keys to the article, and it's an it's an interesting kind of, I don't know if case study is the right right word. I don't know if I'm even smart enough to talk about what a case study is or whatever, right? But I think I think it's interesting that how you kind of get out of the article what you thought about the team going in. So. I think that there's nothing they could have put in that article and they're not making this up, obviously, but nothing they could have reported that if it was negative, people wouldn't believe like they could have said Howie was doing anything. And at right this and at this point in time, people do not trust Howie. So it would not there had been no pushback. Right. I mean, you think about the Carson Wentz article um, from from Joe. And when that came out, nobody wanted to believe it because everybody liked Carson. And then a few years later, when people turned on Carson, it became clear that what he wrote in there was true. Like people believed it. And so with this article right now, because everybody is so negative about the team, I think it's very easy to take it as complete gospel and to take it to the extremes of negative. Right? So I I will be fully honest in saying, and people that listen to the pod know this, I am not as down on the team as other people are. So it's almost, it's hard for me to view what's in that story and to like interpret what I know without a positive lens in a way, just because I don't have the same level of feeling about the franchise that you do. And to, to pull the curtain back even further, I think sometimes there's a perception in radio or in podcasting that me and you do a show and you take one side and I take the other and that's it. Like this is not, that doesn't a happen, but also like, this isn't an example of that. Like you genuinely feel that way about the team. And I genuinely feel positive about the team. So I'm not surprised that when we read this article, we had very different takes on it. And I don't know which one's going to be correct. Like I think a lot about the future and like what, you know, a year from now, what we're going to think about the Eagles. And I think a lot that like, I could be wrong. Like it could be that I've reached a point where 
I've decided that I think the team is better than people do. And because of that, it's hard for me to process information in any other way than positive. So I, I could be wrong. But my takeaway from the article was just not, it just wasn't as negative as yours. And I think that's because I don't view what's happening in there as much different than what happens in almost any other franchise, right? Like people underneath Howie wish they had more power, it sounds like, or wish they understood the decisions more. Like, yeah, I think that probably happens at a lot of teams and a lot of organizations. Like people want to have more control in what happens. I think that also probably happens at a lot of teams. Jeffrey Lurie meeting with Doug and kind of questioning why he's doing things. I would bet a lot of hand, hands-on owners do that. So ultimately where I come down with it is it's not good. Like it's not a story you want to read. It's not things you want to have happening. But I also think it's a story that if the team goes nine and seven last year is probably not out, right? I, I think that because the team went 4-11-1 and one and the, the downfall happened, people want to look into why. And, and yes, I believe everything that's in there. That I'm not saying it's wrong or anything. Like it was great reporting. But I just think right now, with where the Eagles are at, it, everything is going to be viewed as extremely negative. And where I come down on it is, outside of last year, the results on the field do not speak to a dysfunctional organization. There's just literally <laughs> no proof of it on the field. So well, I, I can't I can't get as worked up as other people. I mean, they're clearly a dysfunctional organization. I mean, read that article, and, and that is pure dysfunction. Everything you read, and look, I get that other people might want other people's jobs or want more power or whatever, but like there were enough NFL people who quote tweeted this article who finally see what's going on and are like, doesn't work that way here. I'll tell you what, Chris Ballard's not like that. I'll tell you what, RGM's not like that. I'll tell you what, this and that. Like, like this is different. Like, this is not how it works, Elliot. This is not how it works throughout but every organization. And Jeffrey Lurie is way more involved now than he used to be. We all know that. Every single person who has written an article, who has reported, who has covered the team says that no matter what Jeffrey's saying, everybody in that building knows he's more involved. Like, uh, well, okay, so let me let me let me address. And I know this is hypocritical because I just went on a long type of thing. But let me take it one by one because I want to talk about all those things. So the, the first part about you saying that national people are saying this is how it is, how it is, how it's not like this with different teams. Right. And this isn't how Chris Ballard does it. And this isn't, you know, how certain franchises do it. Well, like wh what makes the Colts? That, you know, just use them as an example. Like, what makes them the gold standard? Like, I understand hold up, that— Hold up, yes, hold up, the, hold up, hold up, hold up. It's not about the Colts being the gold standard. It's about how an organization is supposed to function. Find right, me, find me an is, organization where an owner has been this involved, has done these types of things, and they've had success for years and years. It doesn't happen. Every single sustainable— we, we are not, Elliot. It's different. It's different. That's what you're not acknowledging. Like, the whole time Jeffrey Lurie is here, it is a different thing now. And Howie Roseman, they even talk about in this article what I have said to you a thousand times, that when Howie Roseman came out of that closet in 2016, he was a different person. He acted differently. He looked at things differently. It was better collaboration. And they even said in the article, his worst instincts have returned. They said he's even mm -hmm. worse now than he was before. Like... Uh, this and they is... used an analogy that really hit home yes, where they said it's the, like the when you lose analogy. a lot of weight and then you bounce back yes. and you gain it all back. Like, like I've been there in my life. So, I under like that one really hit home to yes. me. But, but here, so okay, so a couple things. Or sorry, do you want to continue? I, I, I'm just saying like that's like I don't know how you could possibly look at that and say that's a, a functional way to run a football franchise, especially with the stuff about Howie. I mean, like the there are so many anecdotes in there that that it's like what the 
bleep is happening? Like how are we looking at people's phones trying to get phone records to find out who's leaking? I mean, that kind of stuff, all this stuff about one-on-one conversations about how he can communicate one-on-one, but, but, but you get a group together and he, and he can't do it, how people don't trust him, how there's mistrust and, and all this stuff within the building. And then the fact that Jeffrey Lurie is picking players, using analytics as a way to insert himself into football operations, Elliot. Like this is a disaster. Like, this is among the worst setups in the NFL for a football team right now. Okay, but see, but where why I can't go that far is because if they're one of the worst-run franchises in the league, then why do they have consistently better results than, like, Because we're talking about right now, Elliot. We're talking about right yes, now. But, 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 they are not running the franchise the way they used to, man. That's the point. See, not only is Howie I different, just... but Jeffrey is. We've talked about this. You know he's more involved. You know he is more involved. Like, at Richie, okay. like, anyone who's played for Andy Reid said those Tuesday tribunals didn't have tribunal, the word they used. Those didn't have with Andy. He wasn't calling Andy in his office and saying, let's talk about what you're going to do. Why don't you run the ball more? Why don't you do all that? That never yeah, but, happened, Elliot. It never happened. Right. But but that's because Andy Reid was, I, I mean, we can debate it, but what, a top 10 coach of all time? Top 15? You hire like, a coach to let the coach coach, man. Like, I don't care who the coach is. Jeffrey Lurie should not be dictating game plan. He should not be saying we need to run the ball less. He should not be talking to Doug Peterson after they put up 34 points in Green Bay and say, well... You know, we ran the ball too much. It's like, shut up, Jeffrey. Shut up. This is not what you do, man. Like, this is not your world to be to be making those type of comments. Like, that is a well, disaster, Elliot. Well, okay, but so a couple of things. One, I think that, and it's kind of what I said at the beginning, like, this is kind of all about perception. A lot of what the story is and a lot of the reporting is how people feel about things, right? So, like, Doug clearly felt like, the takeaway from that article, Doug felt like he wasn't respected within the organization. I think that's a clear takeaway, right? Like these Tuesday meetings, the fact he didn't have input on staff, like those type of things. Yeah. So that's that's not great, right? But but on the flip side, like I've heard a lot of fans say over the last two years that they don't think Doug's doing a good job. So, you know, I I, I just, I don't think, I think it's healthy to have an organization where you can question people. And I think Lurie meeting with Doug and talking about things is is healthy and good. Now, the issue, and I think this is, for me, the main issue of the article, and this is something that has followed Howie Roseman organizations for a while. Like, that's something that's not new. I mean, a lot of the stuff that you're hearing about how people don't really, you know, like or trust Howie and those type of things, like, that was there before Howie left in 2015 or 2014, however you want to say it. So that that that's a concern. Like, I do think the Eagles... It seems like they don't have a good vibe in the Novacare right now, but it's because they were bad last year. Like I just, to me, this this article is being written, and I don't want to say that because I'm not trying to say it about the people who wrote it. But like this entire off season, where like all the articles that are being written, like if Carson Wentz plays better last year, this stuff's not coming but out. Man. Like if they do a better, well, hold on, can't really quick. say that if they, they were four eleven and one. Do a better, you can't say that, they, man. They are where they are. They're four eleven and one for a reason, and this stuff is happening for a reason because it's a mess yeah, there. It's all a, symptoms of the think, same problem. Do you think being a bad drafting team has to do with dysfunction? Of course it does, dude. Like they say that Jeffrey Lurie put his thumb on the scale for JJ Ortega Whiteside. Like they picked JJ Ortega yeah. Whiteside because Jeffrey Lurie said pick that guy. Jeffrey Lurie is the one who's making freaking tiebreaker decisions on drafts. They picked Jalen Hurts. Like the the note about the scouting staff saying they were surprised with the Jalen Hurts pick as the fans watching at home. Like 
what is Elliot? Like, how could you possibly defend that? You are someone who has covered. No, that's bad. That's bad. Right. I agree with you. That, so that how part is the? Is bad. So yeah. yes, Jeffrey is doing that stuff. Like that's a disaster, man. Like how I don't understand how you can look at that and be like, eh, it's okay, no biggie. Like it's a disaster. See, because I just. And again, going for 11 and one last year was a disaster, right? So maybe what's happening is years, like two or three years of this team being run poorly is catching up on them. And that could certainly be it. But again, like, I mean, that's clearly what it is. I mean, you even talked about how, like, it was fool's gold. The two years they made the playoffs after they shouldn't have even made the playoffs. If the bears sat their players against Minnesota in that game, the year after they only make it in the worst division in football history until the the next year, one of the worst divisions in football. Like, so like, you can look at it and say, like, they have not been a good football team since the Super Bowl. Like, at all. They've been a mediocre, a, 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 maybe even worse than mediocre team that could turn it on for a couple games. Like, that's it. That's all they've been. Yeah, they've not been as good. What's funny is I don't think they were as good in 2018 or 2019 as their record showed. And then even last year when they were 4-11-1, and one, you know, I don't think they were as good as their record showed. Uh, I think the last year was uglier than it seemed. But... Overall, like, again, you know, you, you said point to an organization that's run like this that, that has success. We're, we're watching it. Like, whatever, however you want to say how the wins and losses Elliot, look. Elliot, like, Elliot, Elliot, you're not, like, what I'm saying is the organization is being run differently now than it was before. The organization now is a 4-11-1 organization. You can't give them the credit for the stuff before because it's different now. They're doing things differently. They're running the organization differently. But, but, but like not so I know there's been a lot of reporting on people saying Lurie is more involved, right? Literally every report and everyone who covers the team has said Lurie is more involved than he used to be. Literally everyone. Okay. So there was an article that was written back in, I think it was the 90s, uh, like late, late 90s, because John Gruden was on the staff. Uh, it was written by Mark Eckel, who I used to work with. Um, and I, I saw it this week, and this is why I'm bringing it up. When John Gruden was offensive coordinator, he said that every Monday he would come to his office and have a note on how the game plan looked from, you know, like the above, like the ownership slash like like GM type person. Right. So Lurie's always been like this. That's a like different Lurie, man. It's different than drafting players. Why? How's it di- drafting yeah, yeah, players, Elliot. Is- He's drafting players. And it's different from like meeting directly with the head coach and saying, do this, don't do that. Like, all that stuff, it's different, man. You can see that, right? You can see so that it draft, is different. Yes, the drafting stuff, I'm agreeing with you. The drafting stuff, I agree with you. Which about is by that. far my but, biggest issue. By far. Yeah, and look, like, well, what I was going to say was they were bad last year, not just because of Carson. Clearly, Carson was a big part of it, but also like the years of bad drafting caught up on them. Now, I do not believe poor drafting is a sign of dysfunction. Like, I think you can be a well-functioning organization and still draft poorly. Like, it's, it's really hard to do. But to your point, like, clearly you don't want Jeffrey Lurie sitting there and saying, take J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. What, what, what I think is more like is happening is it isn't like Howie and the, co- and the, scout, uh, the scouting staff and the coaching staff is sitting there and being like, all right, Let's debate between these two players. And then Lurie comes in and goes, no, I want JJ. Like, I think what's happening is they have it down to two or three guys. They're debating who to pick. And Lurie goes, well, I think JJ would be the best pick. And then that's what happens. Like, I, I, I personally don't believe that it's like, you know, slamming the table and being like, we're taking JJ or Sega Whiteside. I think now you don't it want doesn't matter. Having None of it matters. Discussion. None of that matters. Right. If they're making a pick because Jeffrey Lurie told them to, that's a problem. Yeah, I agree. I, you don't want him having a voice in these meetings. But 
again, like where I just ultimately come down on it is like the result, like Lurie has been a great owner over his stretch of the team. Would you agree with that? Sure. But that doesn't mean he's going to continue to be a great owner. You know, he was a great owner when he yeah, first, things could change. Yeah. when he first signed on with the Cowboys, guess who was a great friggin' owner. He won three Super Bowls. He brought in Jimmy Johnson. It was awesome. And guess who hasn't won anything in the last 20 plus years or whatever it is, 30 years. I mean, that's because that's because he started as a good owner and then he became a bad owner. Like that happens all the time. You see that with lots of people. That's why people don't have lifetime jobs, right? I mean, that's why owners, it's a different thing. But for the most well, part, you know, you know, except Howie, you don't have a lifetime job because not everyone is going to be great for their entire career in that in those type of industries. Like you're going to have falters. You're going to fail. You're going to get worse. You're going to get better. And and Jeffrey Lurie is absolutely a worse owner today then he has been at any point in his tenure as the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles, flat out. Like, and 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 look, I agree with you. Like, up until the Super Bowl, like, you can't rip the guy. Like, he won a Super Bowl, he brought it there, all that. But it, he's in the crosshairs now. Like, he should be. He deserve Jeffrey Lurie deserves to be criticized. And I think, look, I think his in his inability to ever consider even moving on from Howie is a is a big an even bigger issue than his involvement because I think if you have a general manager here who can who can control him and manage up, I think that, you know, I think how he enables him and and allows him to be in these things. Because look, you said it all the time. This is your line. The most elite skill Howie Roseman has is keeping his job. He is elite at that. Like if Gabe Kapler, like he is an elite yeah, he, reliever. He's, he is elite <laughs> at it. Howie has also found somebody that really appreciates his skill set. You know, like and they, so, all right, so the authors that wrote the article, I uh, was listening to their podcast talking about it. And like, it's true. Like how, like Jeffrey Lurie views Howie as a CEO more than a GM, you know, like, like, and so in that way, yes, his skill set is keeping his job, but also like what Howie does well might not be appreciated by other owners. And that's the other. And so th like, that was my main negative takeaway from the article is just once again, it just seems like it's an ugly working environment at times, right? And like there's communication problems and stuff like that. So that that is obviously not ideal. Like clearly that is a negative takeaway to, to come from this article. The fact that, you know, people don't know why things are being explained. But like I just also think that that kind of happens in every workplace. But may, I mean, I don't know. Oh, I haven't worked I mean, in places like that, so I don't know. But maybe. But it just feels like. Look, Howie. Howie it look, just feels like everybody's piling what, on right now. What, yeah. The team was bad last year. But, but they're so piling like, on because because we keep hearing these things that are that are disastrous, that are signs of dysfunction. And and to your last point you're making, like what has always been the biggest knock on Howie Roseman as as someone to work with? His inability to work with other people, his inability to be collaborative, yeah. to include people, to not make people feel like they are are being dismissed or being uh, or need to like you know fight others to get it in his favor, all that stuff. Like he he is bad at managing people. He's horrible at it, he and it is a major part of his job. Like it's funny what's in the article. It says like he's actually good one on one with people, but then you know like overall it it doesn't work out, which I thought was just an interesting note about and I you know and then the part about him being you know me and you have said on this pod like the Eagles leak way too much so I, on one hand I don't blame them for trying to figure out who's leaking because clearly it's a problem but then you're right like the the image of Howie going through people's phones or asking people to go to people's phones like that's not a that's not a great work well, and especially yeah. with the, the quote that came after that was a, a source saying that they don't it's not that Howie doesn't want the leaks it's that he wants to be the one doing the leaking which is like, right, that's what the hell? Like, yeah. 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 It's, look, like I said, like I tried to say at the top, like I can acknowledge why 
clearly this is a troublesome article. Like I agree with all that, right? Like that it is, it's not what you want to read. I just, and I could be wrong, but I just can't get there with where it seems you are and where other people are like of saying that this team is just a complete dumpster fire right now. Like they've just never been in my lifetime. Like I've never seen, doesn't mean they can't in the future. And this is kind of like the debate about just cause NFC hasn't repeated for 14 years. Doesn't mean for the 15th. It won't like, I get that, that the past always doesn't always dictate the future. But with, with me, with my experience with the Eagles and being at the Novacare and like, you know, just seeing how they're run. Like I've never, felt like they were a dysfunctional organization. And I look, I mean, you worked for the team for, or it worked, yeah, worked for the team for a few years. And I know it's different. It wasn't like you were, you know, walking in Howie's office. Maybe you should have been. Maybe you should have been <laughs> asking your advice. But, like, they are a well-run franchise in a lot of ways. I, I just kind of think that the drafting's been poor. They've had injuries. And Carson had a terrible year. And because of that, like, they've hit a rock bottom. I, I think that, you know, if, if Jalen Hurts turns into a great quarterback, if Nick Sirianni's a great coach, like, Winning solves a lot of things. And when you're when you're winning, like a lot of the qualities get get described in a good way. And when you're losing, like they're negatives. So I, I just think what the team needs more than anything is next year to be good. And if they're good, like a lot of these things will turn into, you know, like, oh, look, Larry does know what he's doing, or you know, blah, blah, blah. Like things will things will turn yeah. around. And that's why next year is just so crucial. I I know what you're saying. I don't think it's as simple as that. I do agree. Look, if they win a bunch, if Jalen Hurts is a superstar, it can change a lot of things. If Nick Sirianni's a, a coaching superstar, it can change a lot of things. I don't, you know, I like Jalen Hurts, but I'm not saying I expect either of those things to happen. Regardless of that, like I think that 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 maybe, like I said before, maybe you can luck into a, a, a good season. You know, things can bounce your way and all that. I think for the, in terms of sustainability long-term, to be what the Eagles were, because I agree with you, for a long time, the very the longer part of Jeffrey Lurie's tenure, like, the Eagles have been a well-run organization. They it's have. Like 95% but, of it. But, but they're not now, man. Like, they're not. Like, these type of articles, the way this structure is, the processes that are in place, the things that are happening, and we've, we've only touched on on a, a tiny percentage of it. We can even go into all the, the Doug stuff and all the, you know, how he's setting game day rosters and, like, all the, the things that are not the way football organizations are supposed to run. Like, all those things, like, are a symbol of a poorly run organization. Like, you have to be able to understand that, and I'm not saying you in particular, well, but, I'm saying people yeah, I know, I know, need right, to be able right. to understand that just because someone has done a good job at something for a period of time doesn't mean that that is going to be forever. Like, it doesn't mean that Jeffrey Lurie can't become a worse owner. I honestly believe, I've said this before here, I know you know it, I believe that Jeffrey Lurie, when Chip Kelly did what he did with the franchise and Jeffrey Lurie did his whole, I'm taking my team back, and they win the Super yeah, Bowl two years later, he was emboldened. He was like, I got involved and we won the freaking Super Bowl. Let me be involved. And I think that that is what we're dealing with now. And it was it was not because Jeffrey Lurie was involved that they won the Super Bowl. Howie Roseman had a brilliant, brilliant two seasons. And, like, again, I really well, do think that Howie was a different person when he got that job back. He sounded like a different person. He talked like a different person. Jason Kelsey told us he was a different person. That dude's gone. Old Howie's back. Like that's my problem. Yeah, look, that, that so that's what case. I'm saying is 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 my argument is based on these are not the same people who were running well, the really, good really organization. Quick, like, you said something I disagree with, which is that 
Lurie had nothing to do with them winning the Super Bowl. I know. No, I, I didn't. I, I said he had a lot to do with the Super Bowl. I, I'm, I'm not. Say, I'm saying that like. Oh, I I, no, no. I'm I, saying like him being involved wasn't the reason they won the Super Bowl. Like. Well, but, okay, yeah. So really quick, that's where I'll push back though, because one of the reasons they won the Super Bowl is because of the coaching staff hires, right? Like, and he had a lot to do with that. Look, he was. He obviously made hires and stuff. I'm not saying Jeffrey Lurie didn't play a role at all. I'm saying. Him being involved, like he didn't have enough time to make draft picks. He didn't have time to do all this stuff that he's doing now. I'm saying him getting more involved than he used to be began then, and it is spiraled, is what I'm trying to say. So what I think happened was, to your point, and I think you're right, the Chip thing like freaked Larry out, right? Like Chip came in, he gave him power in 2015. It was ugly, like, right? And that freaked him out. And I think he did become more involved at that point. Now, where I slightly disagree with you is, I do think Lurie was just as involved in 2016 and 2017 and maybe not like 100% as involved, but I think clearly he got involved, it worked out, and so as your point, yeah, he felt emboldened. He was saying. like, I know what I'm doing. So I don't think you can say he wasn't involved prior to 2017 no, I, and I, then... I, I said yeah. I think he got involved then. I just don't think that he, like his involvement is the... Like, look, he was involved. I'm just saying I think Howie deserves more credit for what was done than Jeffrey does is what I'm trying to say. Right. Regardless. So the other, the other question I have for you is, and I mean this more in a macro sense as opposed to like specific examples, but you know when you look around the league, like I just I don't know, I've, I've maybe I've been repetitive with this and I apologize if so, but like I, I can't sit here and say the Eagles are poorly run when I, like how many teams but over again, a Elliot ten, Elliot over Elliot Elliot Elliot, Elliot 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 you're not hearing my point, man, like. I only care no, I things about have changed. I yes, yes. So yeah. like whatever happened prior to that, like that is not part of the discussion as far as I'm concerned. We're talking about what's happening now with this power structure and what these guys are doing. And I think it's it's not the same. They are not running the franchise the same way they used to. Yeah. Um, look, I know I'm in the minority and feeling that it's it's just not as extreme of a shift as other people do. And and we'll we'll find out. Like if it works out, we'll see. But yeah, so I could be wrong. Look, I, I could definitely be wrong. <laughs> I, and look, I really do appreciate that, you know, you do, you are introspective about it. Your monologue before where you talked about, like, I might be wrong. I might be looking at this through the wrong prism, but this is how I see things. This is the right. prism through which I'm, I think it's a great way to put it. And I can't knock anyone for how they feel or their opinions. I just disagree. I want to ask one more question about this, and then we'll move on to some other stuff. But first, as always, if, uh, if you have not downloaded the Park Casino Sportsbook app, you're missing out because Elliot and I have been having a blast betting on anything and everything. Pro hoops. We bet on college hoops when it was all going down. Uh, baseball. Soccer. Baseball uh, games on a nightly basis. Elliot, you've been on soccer lately. Back into soccer action. Yeah, I, I had one going. I obviously didn't win it, but uh, yeah, I had one going a few days ago. And you know, so I'm, I'm, we're recording this on a on a Thursday. Uh, I'm, I'm tired today, to be honest. And all I want to do, is just like open a bag of chips, sit in front of my TV, place bets, and watch sports. Like that's just what I want to do right now. So I'm very excited to open the Parks app a little uh, later today. Yeah, me too. There's just there's just nothing better. It, it it gives it it makes games that you couldn't care less about or care slightly about the most important thing in the world in the best possible way. It is just so much fun, and they have live in-game betting. Uh, you can bet on player performances, props, all that kind of stuff, anything and everything. And here's the deal: if you sign up now, you get a risk-free bet for new customers, a risk-free bet of up to five hundred dollars. Yes, a five hundred dollar risk-free bet. Just download the app or go to parkscasino.com/pa. 
and use our promo code GOBIRDS, that's G-O-B-I-R-D-S, to get your risk-free bet of up to $500 for all new customers. Again, that's P-A-R-X-Casino.com slash P-A. The website has all the details. Your risk-free bet is refunded on your loss as a free bet. As always, you must be 21 and present in Pennsylvania. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. All right, um, before we move on, I, I do want to also quickly, because we analytics got thrown in, the Alec Hallaby has been a... You know, a, a lightning rod figure for this article, uh, Julian Lorian, uh, Jeffrey Sun's friend from Harvard, who has ascended his way to the uh, assistant, uh, <laughs> or whatever, the vice president of football operations and strategy. Quite a lofty title. Um, I Look, I, I'm, a, I'm an analytics guy. You know that in general in sports. I, I think that Same. analytics are... Uh, the whole word analytics has got this like trigger item to it. Almost. Yeah, it's basically just stats. It's information. Like, it's like saying, like, That's it. I, yeah, it's just information. Yeah. It's just more information. If you want to have problems with analytics, have problems with how people are interpreting the analytics, how people are 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 using those analytics, implementing those analytics to change their processes, change the way they do things, and all that. That you know, then you can rip people. And 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 look, there you can also rip people for an over adherence, uh, uh, using analytics too much, but. I don't think analytics are necessarily the problem here, but I do think there is something with the Hallaby stuff feels like another one of these. He's Howie's guy. He's Jeffrey's guy. Like this type of thing where he's making decisions and then the scouting staff is getting rebuked for these type of decisions. And I can understand that. Like we were talking about, it fosters this this negativity and, and opposite of what they always say, oh, collaborative effort. It actually fosters a non-collaborative effort through the building. Yeah, and it's funny that one thing the Eagles really preach is like collaboration. It's and their, then it it's almost their every... buzzword, man. It's their <laughs> yeah. go-to buzzword. And it, it like almost every turn, you see that that's not what they actually do. Even la- even last year with Carson, right? There was a lot of like he was changing plays at the line of scrimmage. He didn't get along with what Doug was doing. Like that didn't sound very collaborative, you know. Um, and I think it's the same thing with the analytics department and the scouting department, where you know I think. There's probably a little bit a little bit of this going on in every team, but as analytics becomes more and more part of the NFL, you know, it's kind of like maybe it's not a great analogy, but with Moneyball, you know, like the movie and baseball is, you know, 10 years ahead of the NFL, if not more when it comes to analytics. But I think that naturally as analytics becomes part of it, there is going to be one part of the staff that is, you know, football scout, drives to the fields, watches the players, all those things. And then the analytical side, that is the the part where you know, they, they don't do that. Right. Like, I'm not saying they don't watch football at all, but the fact that they're more numbers driven and looking for trends and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's probably happening with a lot of teams. And it's clear that within the Eagles, who are one of the more forward thinking organizations who are probably further along than most teams, they're probably dealing it with, with it more than other organizations because they do have a larger scouting department. I mean, sorry, a larger analytical department. They do put a lot more into what they say as opposed to uh, the scouting staff. Again, even with the Lurie thing, with the, you know, it seems like the analytical department uh, told him they should have thrown the ball more against the Packers. And then, you know, Doug ran it and they won. Like, so I think that that's a large thing of what's going on here. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And and look, speaking of Doug quickly, uh, I mean, just another one of these articles where you read it and you like, Man, I really feel bad for Doug Peterson. Like, I feel so bad for that yeah. guy. Guy came in here, won a Super Bowl, only Super Bowl winning head coach in franchise history, and and he was treated like, I mean, like, let's be real, they kind of like punked Doug Peterson. I mean, they treated him like like he was absolutely nothing. I think nothing. it's clear they never believed in Doug. Very clear. Again, Very clear. This, Even like, after he won the freaking like... Super Bowl for them. Like, they just, they give, they give nothing, no credit, no... 
um, you know, no ability again, like the idea. And I know we've brought it up a million times, but like just the general concept that the head coach of the football team went to Green Bay on a Thursday night on a short week and put up 34 points and won a, a, a important game for that team that he would meet with the owner on Tuesday and the owner would rip him for ripping the ball for running the ball too much is like crazy town. Like that is a crazy sequence of events, man. Like, like that, that's terrifying. Like that is terrifying that the owner is that micromanaging his head coach, especially in something that I'm sorry, Jeffrey Lurie, you're not a freaking play caller. Like you're not an NFL well, play pretty, caller. It's pretty clear. Nick Sirianni's going to be throwing the ball quite a bit. Oh, I think God. that's one takeaway yeah. from, uh, from this. Sirianni's probably going to be throwing that ball, which is funny. Cause uh, like the one bunch. offensive philosophy thing that, that fans were excited about with Nick Sirianni is like, Oh, he likes to run the ball. All right. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be happening. Oh, There's going to be a lot of throwing. So Jalen Hurts better be good, and uh, oh, whatever man. receiver they draft, you know, hopefully uh, better be good as well. Yeah, 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 man. They need some good players. Um, all right. Any uh, last last thing with the article? You said at the top, um, and I'll just let you explain why, because I think the vast majority of of people who read this article are like me, maybe not to the extent of of concern that I am. But you read it and you say, all right, this sounds like a dysfunctional organization. However you want to shake it up, how dysfunctional, whatever. But but you do not believe the Eagles are a dysfunctional situation. Tell me why. Yeah, uh, I just, I don't believe, I think, like I said, I think they're bad because Carson was bad last year and the drafting has been poor. I think those are the two things. And I don't think, I don't think poor drafting is a sign of dysfunction. Um, I, I think that, again, and I feel like I'm maybe being repetitive, but like, their track record proves they're not dysfunctional. I'm not going to take one bad year. At every turn, when the Eagles have been bad in their franchise's history, they've turned it around quickly. Like, the lowest points of the franchise have not lasted long. Uh, 2012 to 2013, 2015 to 2016, uh, 98 or 99 to 2000, right? Like, when the team's been bad, they've bounced back quickly. And, you know, maybe that's because... They, they do learn quickly. I mean, we've always talked about they're an organization that is overreactive in terms of even roster moves. Like one season, they're slow. So the next year, they draft all the fastest players. Maybe, you know, in 2015, they handed it to Chip and it wasn't collaborative. And then, you know, 2016, everyone's collaborating. And then it ultimately looks like it turned ugly. So I just, I truly believe they are a well-run franchise that right now is just at a down point. Uh, I think that unlike... Unlike Carson, where so Carson was really good for a while or for two years, whatever, and then he got hurt and there's like physical aspects to it. Right. I think that with Lurie and Howie, they've proven that they can be good at their jobs and maybe they're not as good as they used to be. Maybe they're going through a downswing, but I just I'm not going to write them off until I see more than one year of them being bad on the field. And I understand your point, And I was making it at the time, too, about how. You know that the, they're them making the playoffs in 2018 and 2019 is a bit of fool's gold. But if the Eagles' fool's gold is going to be making the playoffs, a lot of teams would sign up for that. So it's going to take more than one year for me to say that Lurie's not a good owner anymore, and that Howie's not a good or you know even average GM anymore. I I I need more than one year for me to to buy into the dysfunction. I get that. Look, I get it. I get it, and I think it's fair to give them time. I just. I think that it's been years now. I think that in reality, we're looking at at 
the culmination of three years of sliding down, sliding down, and dysfunction, dysfunction, dysfunction. Because look, like the J.J. Arthega-Whiteside pick, which is one of the things that I'm I'm assembling is like a massive sign of dysfunction. That was almost three years ago. You know, the Jeffrey Lurie <laughs> Can made- you imagine how different things would be for this team if J.J. Arthega-Whiteside was good? Oh. Like they wouldn't need to draft a receiver. The whole Lurie picked oh. him thing would it be like a All huge deal, it. right? Like All of if it. J.J. was just good, that the, it would, things would be so different. But yeah. unfortunately, it does not appear he is. <laughs> no. I think we can safely say that he is not. Um, all right. Uh, we're good. That's enough on the article. Yes, let's <laughs> yeah, move on let's from this article. On. For right, the couple, love of God. Jeez, <laughs> Louise. All right, a couple quick things before we get out of here. Um, we've talked about this on the pod before. You know this has been one of my um, – something I like to bring up from time to time, Elliot, is uh, the, the Howie Roseman never drafting an Alabama player. And I would just bring it up yes. anecdotally without really diving in and doing research on what other teams did and all that stuff. But, like, I knew – now, Howie Roseman never drafted a player from Alabama, and for me, that's been a, a long time. Like, what the bleep are you doing, Howie? Like, why? Um, you actually took that and ran and dove in and looked at what other teams have done, how unlikely it would be for the Eagles not to pick an Alabama player. Uh, first of all, people should go check out the full article on 94WIP.com but, um, slash go birds. Um, but what was your what was your kind of takeaway when you did that article and found out, you know, kind of comparatively what it's like for the Eagles not taking Alabama player? It's it's unbelievable. <laughs> it's just tr- it's truly unbelievable. Like and the best analogy I can use is if the Eagles never drafted a player under five eleven for 18 years in a row. I would say, yeah, clearly they don't like short players. Like organizationally, they have a philosophy. They don't draft guys under 5'11". Or if they never drafted a receiver that ran on, you know, ran over a 4.5, I'd say, okay, yeah, clearly they like fast receivers. So I, I still can't believe that they're avoiding players from Alabama, but they have gone 156 straight picks without selecting somebody from <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> And, That's and, and Nick Saban was there the whole time and they weren't Alabama that whole time. But it's crazy. I mean, when uh, so I looked at I went through the rest of the league to figure out when they've drafted Alabama players. And of the 32 teams, and I'm trying to get the article up in front of me, but of the 32 teams, I believe 21 of them have drafted a player from Alabama within the last three years. Oh, the man. longest. So the Eagles haven't drafted a player from Alabama since 2002. In the fifth round, they took Freddie Millens. And (laughs) clearly he scarred them for life because they've not done it since. But the second team, so the the, uh, Los Angeles Chargers, 2013 was the last time they drafted a player from Alabama. Outside of that, every other team has drafted a player from Alabama since then within 2013. So like I said, 21 of the 32 teams within the last three years – it's just crazy. It's 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 absolutely insane. 115 players from Alabama have been drafted since Freddie Millens was, and not a single was from one of them was by the Eagles. And I know Jalen Hurts went to Alabama, so it's like kind of close. But he came out of Oklahoma, like he was out of Oklahoma, so he he doesn't count. I mean, it's it's stunning, Elliot. It's it, it is it is actually stunning that 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 many players yeah. have been drafted out of Alabama since 2002, and that not one of them ended up here, like even like a fifth rounder. Like it's just, it is, it is astounding, Elliot. And I think, look, I, you, you had a great line for it on the midday show where you were like, uh, if the Eagles only took players over five foot 11 for, for 18 years or 20 years or whatever, you'd say, Hey, you know what? I guess the Eagles don't like players who are under five foot 11. It almost has to apply here, right? Like if if you go that long with that Alabama guy, you must not like Alabama guys. 
it's such a good line that I said it a few minutes ago as well. So, you know, it's, oh, see, uh, there you it's go. Clearly, there you uh, go. There you go. <laughs> it's clearly, it's clearly resonated with you. Yes. Um, no, I, I think it's really weird. My, uh, my lot, my, um, advice to Howie would be just take a shot on guys from Alabama. The whole drafting strategy is not working out now. Or I guess I should say my advice to Lurie. My advice to Lurie would be draft guys out of Alabama. Okay. I think we can roll with that. That sounds perfect. Uh, last thing before we get out of here as I am, uh, so a little inside baseball, uh, discombobulated because Elliot and I were recording this podcast and we got interrupted, Elliot. Yes. Like right in the middle. We did. I'm, I, so I'm recording it's... at the station. There's supposed to be a Phillies game and it got rained out and turns out there were no hosts in the building, but me, Elliot. <laughs> Turns out the host we need, the host we need. And it's so funny because before we started the pod, we were talking about how different this week has been just in general. Like I've been filling in for marks for a few days. I had my so I did a solo show Wednesday night. And then, of course, we get interrupted in the pod. But you know what's funny? So it's it's about an hour. Right. And obviously, if you're listening to this pod, you won't hear that hour long break. But I had an hour long break in between the first part of the pod and the second part of the pod. And I really actually thought a lot about what I said in the first part of the pod. And I think I am probably being too positive. Wow. With so we don't oh want my to God. get back into the conversation. Oh my God. But wow. It's just interesting. I, I like the whole last hour, I've been thinking about what I was saying in the first part of the pod. And I still believe it. Like, you didn't waste your time by listening to it, obviously. But I, I think, like, maybe I am being too positive. I don't know. We can get into it deeper on Go Birds on Saturday. I but love that. It's an interesting experience to have re- record the first part of the pod have time to think about what you said and then be able to have the reaction to what you said literally in the same pod. So it's pretty neat. Actually, it's a, it's a great experience. point. It really is. And, uh, and that's really cool to hear. I'm happy that I was, uh, able to penetrate a little bit and get through and well, um... you didn't persuade me at all. It was okay, all good, 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 good. All right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I was going to add one more thing to what we talk about, but I don't really want to talk about it. Um, it's a, you know, a particular quarterback who the Eagles just seem to still be in on and I don't, I don't know how to yeah, just take don't, it. Don't trade for Deshaun Watson. Don't, don't trade, trade for Deshaun for Watson. Wilson. Please, like, please don't yeah. trade for Deshaun Watson right now. Like, please. Um, all right. And there was uh, a thing out there, just super quick. There was a yeah, thing out sure, there from sure. Joe Banner. The thing out there from Joe Banner saying they could essentially make a trade for Deshaun Watson, but have it be with contingencies. So, like, they trade whatever to the Texans, but then if he gets put on the exempt list, it changes to that. Or, you know, the trade is null and void or whatever. My advice would be, if you're trading for a quarterback and the, one of the contingencies has to be, he gets, you know, the, the accusations end up being true. Just don't trade for that quarterback. Yep. Like, don't put yep. your franchise yep. into that limbo. Could you imagine a world where they traded for Deshaun Watson and then we're spending all offseason going, well, it seems Deshaun's the guy unless he gets suspended for the full yeah, year. And in we're which spend- case, yeah. yeah, we're spending our offseason talking about his legal stuff. Oh, is did he do it? Is he going to get off? Like this and that. Like what happened? Like that's what we're talking about. Like that's our whole our, dominates yeah, every, every conversation we have. Him. Just don't trade. Don't trade. Don't yeah. trade for him. Don't trade for him. All right, Elliot. Uh, it's been a long day for us. Again, as a uh, this podcast is uh, twice as long as it actually is in terms of actual time than it took to record. Um, yes. Uh, any final thoughts for you? I, I I will tease. I have a Jeffrey Laurie related final thought. So. Unexpected. How about that? That is not part of what we talked about before. So uh, you got any final thoughts? My final thought would be take an offensive player at number 12 and take a receiver. Don't take a cornerback. Don't take J.C. Horn. They could turn out to be great players. This is not a take 
against them. I think that J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertain, Rashawn Slater, like there's a possibility they turn into great players. And I think they very well could. This team needs a difference maker. They need somebody that on the offensive side of the ball, they can scheme him and he can be a difference maker. They can get the ball in his hands. They can He can make big plays. Yes, having a shutdown cornerback is a positive thing. I'm not disputing that. But J.C. Horn can be taken out of the game easily by other teams by just not throwing his way or things like that, which, which helps. But ultimately, they need someone that's going to be impacting the game on the offensive side of the ball. That's what they need. That's when, you, when we turn this thing around, when you look at how the Eagles are going to do it, turning it around starts on offense. It just does. And they need an offensive player. So at number 12, take Jalen Waddell, take Devontae Smith. If you have to trade up, trade up to do that. But end that first pick with a receiver. I'm like locked in on that. I, I love it. You know where I stand. I, I support that. I Part of the reason I was upset they traded back from six is you limit your shots at those type of difference maker type of offensive players. But um, all right, my final thought. And uh, it's just, and I've talked about this before and all, but I'm getting, I think there's a misconception about what a sports owner is. And this idea, and I've heard it a million times, and I've, I've brought up on this pod, and, and you know we've talked about it, but the idea that, that and it's said on WIP all the time, and I know Elliot does, I think Elliot agrees with part of what I'm saying, but not everything, but but look, people always be like, well, Jeffrey Lurie could do with, with the Eagles whatever he wants, his team. And that statement, and that thought, is my least favorite thing going right now. Because, mm-hmm. yes, Jeffrey Lurie owns the Eagles. He is the the face of the Eagles from an ownership perspective. He gets all the money that comes with it. He gets the business, all that stuff. But the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, are as much my team, your team, Elliot's team, anyone who roots for this team, anyone who has generations of fans, my father, his father, my daughter, her kids, so on and so forth for the rest of their lives are going to be Philadelphia Eagles fans. They're going to support this franchise financially, for all those years, and they are also going to live and die with this team. Every single game, every single season, we live and die with it. Like it is, it is why we are happy or sad in a given week. Like, and 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 the thing that that I think gets like overrated is the idea that this owner can come in and just do that whatever the hell he wants. He's like, no, like this is a public trust. There's a reason that sports teams have antitrust exemptions from the government. It is a trust. It is a public trust that, that yes, Jeffrey Lurie is the quote-unquote owner of, but there are also millions, millions, who support and follow that team for their entire life, from birth to death. So, yes, he is the owner of the team, but he has a responsibility to all of us to do the best job he can and to own the team the right way and to try and win. Like, that is a responsibility, a public responsibility that he has. So, so yes, he's the owner of the team. Yes, he can be involved. Yes, he can do stuff because he's the owner of the team. But it's not just, oh, he owns the team. He can do whatever the hell he wants. No. No. It's our team, too. And I feel I, I, so strongly about that. Yeah, and look, I 100% agree with you, right? Like, he's the owner, but really – the Eagles aren't going anywhere. He's never going to move the Eagles. They're the Philadelphia Eagles, right? And I agree with everything you're saying. But I actually think also what you're saying is a good way to end the pod because I do believe that whether we can agree the way he's going about it, 
and you know we we feel different ways about that. I do think even you even you believe, and I think everyone should like Lurie wants to win. 100%. Like, I don't think I, I I don't think the moves 100%. he's making are coming from a bad place, right? Like now the strategy we can debate. You know, should he trust people around him? Should he take take a step back? All that stuff is different. But when you look at the different owners in the city, and I follow Lurie closer because I you know I cover the yeah, team, of course. but but like he wants to win. I think just as bad, if not worse, than any other owner in the city. Like, the Sixers owner doesn't really care. Josh Harris doesn't really care. Middleton cares, I believe. But again, like, the luxury tax thing, right? Like, I don't think that would ever be an issue with Lurie. Lurie spends money all the time. So I 100% agree with you that he Lurie, in a lot of ways, works for Eagles fans, like, in a way, right? Like, his job, his job as the owner is to make the Eagles a good team, and that's how he makes more money. And I do believe his heart is in the right place when it comes to that. I, Elliot, I, I agree with you. Like, of all looking, and that you're right, it is a good way to end this pod because I definitely really criticized Jeffrey Lurie earlier, and even you did. We both have, and you, you know, me more so than you, but, like, regardless, like, I think there are a lot of Eagles fans who are angry at Jeffrey Lurie right now, and he is, as I said before, in the crosshairs of our ire and our consternation in a way that he never has before. Like, this is the most yeah. Jeffrey Lurie, right? I mean, the most he's been in that in that bullseye in the public forum in his entire time here, but but even with all that, I I, I think he's misguided right now, and I think he's listening to the it wrong people. It could be people. a lot worse. And, but, but, but I uh, will absolutely believe, uh, to my core, that the dude wants to win. And the dude is going yeah. to try and win. I just think he's going about it the wrong way right now. Like you said, like we might disagree on that, but I, I do agree a hundred percent that uh, of all the criticisms I have and all that, like he is better than than an owner who's not there to try and win because he is. And I here think to try part of the reason that that they've kind of you know made the mistakes they have over the last years is a desire to win again. Like I don't think they planned on trying to win the Super. Well, I should take that back. I don't think they planned on winning the Super Bowl in twenty seventeen. Like that when they year, laid out their rebuilding plan it expedited things and it screwed everything up because then all of a sudden 2017 you were a Super Bowl champ and now you have to try to defend it in 2018 and I think they made different decisions so those things I think also played into you know their desire to be a repeat champion and not just a one off I think played a lot into uh into the moves they made yeah great points I 100% agree with you um this was fun even though we we battled a little bit I enjoyed myself V yeah, it's a it's a weird. I mean, like I weird said, it's just week, a weird man. week, Again, weird like, pod. This pod, yeah. and that's why it was funny. That what made me think of it was when I. So when Elliot, you know, if we if we uh, rewind, uh, if you rewind the pod ten minutes, which you don't have to do, obviously, but if you'll remember ten minutes ago when I did the Elliot, that's why I like when you said on the midday yeah, show, exactly. and, yeah, and it's yeah. because like yes, he just said it for you guys like two three minutes before that, but for me it had been an hour and a half, and I had been on the radio, so I forgot. So forgive me. Exposing that I use the same talking points sometimes, just just flaming me well, out in you front know, of the. Uh, I mean, it's okay. Order. We all use the same talking points sometimes because they're your talking points and. And guess what? It's a damn good point. And that's why I've, I brought it back up again, because it is a good point. Um, so anyway. Well, the other thing, too, is so we talked about how it's been a different week and it's been just a crazy week in Eagles land. It makes me very excited just to do Go Birds Radio from 1 to 3 on Saturday. Oh, like, just it. get in the studio. Things will be back to normal. You'll be in the driver's seat. I'll be in my studio. We can have coffee beforehand. Just go back to to the family. Go back to the Go Bridge. Yes. So I'm very excited for Saturday. Yes. Call us. 215-592-9494. We've been getting so many calls from podcast listeners, and it literally makes our show every time. So please, please give us a call. Tell the producer to, to put podcast listener on the board. I will take you quicker. I promise. 
Um, so, yes, yeah, Saturday 1 to 3, of course, our Parks Picks pod should be out that day as well. And then uh, next week, and, and you know, we keep rolling, baby. We keep rolling. The draft. Here we go. The we're draft. draft. Yeah, yeah, two weeks. So, two weeks. So, obviously, we'll have a ton of stuff going on with that as well. So, so keep it here. Follow us on Twitter, Echo Birds Pod, all that good stuff. And uh, and we will talk to you on Saturday on WIP. So, until then, he's Elliot M. James. Talk to you guys soon.